Hello, everyone. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we are going to continue our Indiana Jones conversation now. All right. Go ahead, Seth. We're, good. we're ready for questions. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, are there any artifacts you would like Indiana Jones to hunt down in the future? Like, what is the, what's your ideal? Like, I want Indiana Jones to find this thing. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that as we were talking earlier. I realized I probably should have. I didn't really think about that because for me, until we started talking, I didn't realize the <laughs> focus or the ones I really liked or the ones I knew more about. So I hadn't thought too much. One of the things that did occur to me as we were talking, though, one, there's this famous sword, Joyeuse, which I think is actually found. But Charlemagne, who's referenced in Last Crusade, there are some semi-mythical things about him, magical swords that his knights had, because Knight Roland had a sword. A magic sword that was like Excalibur. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought about, what about Excalibur? Although I think that... Excalibur maybe, would be a good one. I thought about that too. The yeah. only problem with Excalibur is then it becomes... It could become a King Arthur story. And, and yeah. that's a little different. That's a different beast to tackle. I think it's one that's really hard for modern storytellers. I'll tell do. you what I thought about... Um, I'm like blanking on the name of this thing now. It's the the rocks and like circles out in Europe. What do you call that? Uh, oh, Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge. I was like, maybe they could involve Stonehenge in some way. Do you know what actually would have been the most interesting? If they looked into the mound people. The, I'll make this quick. There were there are mound people. You can look this up. They're part of the Mississippi um, Valley culture. They existed. They were the preeminent power in the continent before settlers came. They were largely wiped out by disease, and they had been greatly diminished by the time the colonists were actually power and started moving out west but they it was very widespread they had some similarities to the stars they worshipped with egyptian culture they used mound burying they built barrows they had all these big burial and funeral mounds which still exist you can look it up just look up mississippi i think it's mississippi mud culture or just look up mound people missouri mississippi mound people the point being that nobody knows anything about them because they died out before they left, but they were the they had a very large city complex of somewhere in modern day Alabama, which was very large, it was larger than anything else that existed on the continent at the time. I'm not saying there's anything fantastical about them or alien technology like Crystal Skull, nothing like that, but it was this advanced culture given the time on this continent. And one of the things that last thing I'll say about it. We don't, one of the reasons we don't know much about them is as Americans were expanding, they destroyed and built on all of these mounds. They, they just assumed, they really did. There were tons of stories in the 1800s of kids in New York and 1700s, but mostly the 1800s of kids just raiding these mounds. They had no idea what was in them. Kids were raiding them. No one was there to protect them. And so, so much has been lost, but one of the... I, that's a whole other conversation in terms of the anthropology. I agree. Like, that's an interesting, like, that's the kind of thing, though, that I was thinking about, it, where it's, like, a culture that's, like, sort of old or ancient, but, like, you know, you can kind of revive it in a way that would be good for Indiana Jones or something. I think that's a good one. Um, yeah, like, I know Atlantis was, like, I think that's one of the Indiana Jones video games. Um, I don't know. It's... It's a tough thing to be like the. Uh, it's like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail are pretty good ones. Um, uh, it's hard to come up with one that like would play as well as those. I think. 
it's hard to find something that's so universally recognizable. I like you could almost you know I was gonna be like you could do like a like a piece of artwork you know like the like the current uh, sorry no the Mona Lisa or something. It's like you you know you take a piece of art like that you know that's like a Da Vinci Code thing. I want to say that all of a sudden <laughs> that could work. I, I don't know what. It necessarily is. I, I, I honestly think the trick could be making Indiana Jones a MacGuffin and then whatever it is off of that, it doesn't necessarily need to be something big. It could be something personal that someone's trying to get him back for. He's killed a lot of people. Could be someone just wants him dead. Or um, how about this idea, Jake? How about we just flash forward to modern times and we pick up with like Indiana Jones's grandson and it's like we just kind of move on from that. It's like, I don't know. Did, like, do we even need to stay in the 40s, 50s era with Indiana? I think they need one movie to transition to that, but yeah, you're probably but, right, but maybe not. Um, I do, <laughs> I do want to talk about modernizing this character because now, while I have you, there's a question I want to really bring up, and it's not so much a question as a statement. Indiana Jones is a sexual predator. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, he, and they indicate that he had an untoward relationship with Marion Ravenwood as a child. I'll save that for later. <laughs> okay. Seth. It yes. Is, it is time. I think this question and conversation could affect our friendship. So before then, if it does, it's been real. It's been a wild ride. This has been fun. But... I, I can, I'm asking honestly, for me and for the fan base, can we all just take a step back from Indiana Jones, the franchise, and reassess this character? Is this a character we need to keep bringing forward? Can, can we let this franchise die? And we'll get into the whole sequel. But this occurred to me during the first movie, and this is where I'm going with this, people. Indiana Jones, I love, and I grew up loving him. But upon rewatch, and with a little critical eye, especially given some of the arguments that I've heard for recent comic book action movies, I think it might be time to retire this character or to let him go, like to let him go, just let him float away. Yep. He is a child predator in the first film. He, they acknowledge he has some type of romantic relationship with Ravenwood when she was like, you know, not and so I was like, maybe she's in her late teens. And I read in an interview, George Lucas said she was 11 to 12 years old when she and Jones had this romantic relationship. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure it was not, are you sure it was not like a student teacher? Are you sure this was, it was definitely a romantic relationship? I'm sad. In the Indian... Come on. You, what relationship? Why would be she, she be so surly if it was a student teacher relationship? Well, in the film, do they say that in the movie that like they had a? I know they had a prior relationship, but they don't say that she was like twelve in the movie. George you're Lucas says from... it in an interview. Okay, he clarified. But you're, not you're not pulling that from the film, would be my point. No, 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 no. So that was my initial thought, and I was like, "Well, she could be." And this is going to sound so creepy, but I'm like, 16, 17, 18, really gross. Like not there with it, but like okay. And then I was like, right. "But how old is she?" Like that's if she's twenty seven, twenty eight. But I was like, he's 30. How old is she? And he clarifies, George Lucas, 
he alludes that it's 15 at some point, but in one specific interview, he nails it down to, I believe it's 11. Well, I mean, I'm not approving of that relationship, if that's the case. Well, Seth, there's more. (laughs) Okay. I think this puts, and I don't want to be too dramatic here. I think this puts the whole (laughs) short round character into a whole new light. I'm not going to make any accusations, but I'm going to spread some gossip. We never see short round again. And he disappears. What happened to that relationship? It, well, is, at, is this a sexual of, relationship, a mutual monetary relationship? Like, I'm not. I, what's happening here? What, the, knowing well, the okay, Ravenwood so this thing. Is, this is this is my understanding. Short round. In Temple of Doom, Indy says they met one time when uh, Short Round was trying to pick his pocket, I believe, and that was the start of the relationship. I also think at the end of the movie, he says something like Shorty has to get back to Delhi. And that made me think that he had family or something in Delhi that he was like trying to get to. Or a pimp? You think he'd be <laughs> the first prostitute to steal, Seth? Come on. Open your eyes, I mean... man. Open your eyes. <laughs> and we're, we'll even going on. Like, okay, let's say he's not a deviant sexual predator. Okay. He's pretty aggressive. He's pretty aggressive with Kate Capshaw. And we'll even let that slide. He's also pretty aggressive. And let's be honest, he sleeps with a Nazi. We'll, he does. We'll skip down. So, we'll, so did his dad. So did his dad. Well, I mean, they both slept with her. One, one man's evil doesn't absolve you of your own, <laughs> Seth. And also, his dad, I'm not high on his dad either. I don't think that's the bar we should be setting. <laughs> Last statement. And again, like, yeah, he, he boned her. He still won at the end of the day. So I'll, I'll give him a pass there. A little That's aggressive. A little aggressive. Last, last, last take here. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I fucking hate Mutt. But he left his wife but, and didn't, and abandoned his family. And they have a whole five minute sequence of them explaining why he missed it. Oh, they missed. Oh, I wish there was email. He sent a letter a year later and oh, are you going to get in touch? And it's like, okay. It reminds me of the scene in the Mark Wahlberg Transformers movie where there's three separate scenes where a 25-year-old is justifying why he could have sex with a 16-year-old due to the laws in that particular state. And it felt a lot like, no, no, it's okay that Indiana Jones abandoned his wife and kid. He's an adventurer. And and the male, he admit the male. And I think she even got the male, but it was like, oh, she had found someone new by then. I'm just saying, so that's one part of the question. Well, Seth, okay. Seth, that's one part. But there's one more part I got to throw at you. Okay, one more part. When it comes to being inconsequential, his effect on the first three films, on, on two, he has no effect in Last Crusade because they would have died. They didn't pick correctly. So it, it didn't work. What do you mean? He, well, I, he picked the right cup. What do you mean? He... But the bad guys wouldn't have picked the right cup if he wasn't there. Oh, I see. So he didn't stop the Nazis. God stop. I see what you're and saying. And he didn't right? stop the, the Nazis and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Also, the, Ark of the Covenant just was opened. And right. if the Russians, he couldn't, he could have given the Russians the skull, let them walk into that temple, and they would have been evaporated, exactly like what happened, and nothing would have been different, and we would have been all been saved like two hours of a really bad movie. And the only one where he does have any consequential effect on the outcome is Temple of Doom, and I'm still not sure what would have happened if they got all four, if they got all four stones, they were going to torture and kidnap the entire world they were going to rule the world like that's a i don't really that was unclear to me too it sounded like if they got more of those magic stones they really could have taken over the world at the same time indiana it always bothered me that he drops two of them just into the crocodile pit and then he like saves the one for the village but it's like 
Someone's going to go get those other two magic stones and do something with them. You know? That's actually a great point. Okay, so I'm sorry. I just threw a lot at you. But, but let's go back to the <laughs> oh, yeah. main thing. And I'm sorry. I've been talking the whole time. I, I, I'm throwing it to you. I know I threw a lot at you. I, I have it written down if you, want me to, if you want me to give you what I said again. Or like the highlights. Seth talking. Well, my take, I think he is – first off, I think there's a way you can watch it where he is a man of the period. And you don't have to see him as a modern man. So he's more of a man of the 30s and 40s, in which case I do think his sort of chauvinistic and, um, you know, aggressive alpha male uh, seduction tactics with women. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it would predate Bond, sort of. Like mm-hmm. Bond exists in the 50s and 60s, kind of. And so it's like if this is a guy in the 30s and 40s, I think if he sees a hot blonde when he's in Venice – even if she's a Nazi, he's probably going to bone her and try to still do what he wants to do. You know, he, he strikes me as a very uh, great generation uh, person who's uh, very driven. <laughs> well, that, that is where, hey, there are plenty of war brides from Germany, and, and a lot of them are and Nazis. So, okay, trying to go in order here, the thing with, uh, if Karen Allen was 12 at their original relationship, I think that's completely scandalous regardless of the period, and I wouldn't approve of that. Although, I do think you can watch Raiders of the Lost Ark in a way that you don't, I mean, I can. they're very vague about the time when they had that previous relationship. I think you can watch Raiders and think, like, this might have happened two or three years earlier, and now she runs a bar in her mid twenties and they meet up again. I don't think you have to view it as she's a 12 year old, but that's interesting that Lucas said that. I don't know why you would say that. Um, the short round stuff. I don't, I just don't really buy. I don't, it's like, uh, the, they kind of explain how they meet. He sounds like he was this common criminal and the Indiana Jones kind of took him under his wing. Uh, you know, although it does, it, I think the weird part for me about short round is like, does he have family or did he, is he an orphan? who ran away and now he's just kind of watching him. Is he trying to get back to his family? I would love some, like, I would love if they do anything in the future, they need a chance. I'd love some kind of clarification of what the fuck happened to shore round. I would, I would say he's a, he's a poor guardian at best. Poor guardian at best. Yeah. Um, I had what I was gonna make one other. I was like, if Indiana Jones is these things you say he is, I forget where I was gonna go with it. Well, I, I will that, quickly concede, and that was a counter argument that occurred to me as I was working on this, and before we, and even as we were speaking, and I made this for a movie previously. You can't watch period pieces through a modern prism, or some. You can't watch it exactly and compare apples to apples right. because times were different and things may be different. And I will concede that. He is a man of his time, and I'm sure it's probably more realistic to what things were like back then in terms of how aggressive he was with the women. I'm not talking about the underage thing. That that we'll dive into later, that, that little slice of jerky. He is gets. very aggressive with women. He's very straightforward. He drives the boat kind of guy. I mean, they all they all kiss him back, so I guess there's that argument. That's true. Too, but it's gotten other people in trouble, Seth. <laughs> um, but the so I'll concede the character assassination on, on my behalf, pretty aggressive. Other oh, than the Ravenwood part. Say. Sorry, I had one more thing. Uh, if he is this child predator that you claim he is, or like, let's say all the, all the bad things you, you want to say about Indiana Jones are true. Let's just pretend that for a second. His his sort of traumatic changing, like the River Phoenix Indiana Jones, right? In the intro, he doesn't seem like he's a child predator yet. So I'm guessing whatever traumatic thing made him be evil happens after that River Phoenix period. This is your theory. <laughs> most 
abusers are abused as children. So if you're asking me honestly, I would say it occurred before. He had a distant father. Maybe he was abused by the scout troop master, often alone Ooh. in the wilderness, surrounded by other boys, maybe older boys, older men. I don't know, Seth. Did I just prove my point? <laughs> I don't want to say it, but uh, I, think, I think that was a very uh, hot, hot, deep reading by Jake. There, and also, I realize I'm not. I apologize. Don't mean to be tasteless. Realize some of the things I'm throwing out there are pretty aggressive. But what I mean is, well, I just want to get across, and we don't need to rest too long on the Ravenwood thing. I think, and you can view it through the prism. I think, and they did soften him. Very much so in Crystal Skull. Just yeah, saying, moving forward, I think this character, more so than others, hasn't aged as well. Although I will be honest, I'm sticking with the being very inconsequential in terms of saving the world and affecting these plots. That's a funny point, too. You're kind of right about that. I hadn't totally thought about that, but you're sort of right. Like I, the For the most part, the enemies would have been vanquished, it seems like. Although, I don't know. Like, with the Ark of the Covenant, it seemed like the Nazis were trying to figure out a way to have that power behind their army. I'm not sure why it didn't work. <laughs> I'd have to ask Hitler. <laughs> um, no, you'd have to ask Balak. I guess, yeah. Yeah, you're right, Balak. The, the argument could be made that he's not meant to affect outcomes, but he's there more so as a witness. As an archaeologist, he's there witnessing history. And even Balok says that at one point, and he yeah. gets to experience a lot of these magical things. Perhaps it's the reason he keeps surviving is because of inconsequential he is, or perhaps I'm really stretching there, but now that we're arguing do, about it. I do agree with the idea, though, that he's not like this 100% good guy type of character. It's like, he's he has very, you know, he's got flaws to him, and it's like, yeah, he's he's going, he says he's getting these items for museums but at the same time you're sort of like stealing artifacts from you know ancient temples and stuff like that it's like not the most clandestine thing to be doing i guess so and the you know the way he treats women could be yeah it's like it's totally legitimate to not see him as like a total good guy it's interesting it's i am glad that conversation went better than i thought it was a really hot take <laughs> i don't think i would have handled it as well if you came in that way about luke skywalker or batman or something so I'm happy. Hey, Luke Skywalker kissed his sister, buddy. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's true. That's we'll have that conversation one day too. And then he didn't have sex with anybody apparently the rest of his life. So I mean, something happened. <laughs> they just. Well, we're gonna have another. We we need to have another Star Wars conversation soon. All right. So I think Jones. I think we can put it to bed. And we put. Dr. Jones to bed. It was a good it was a good talk on Jones. It sounds like you're ready for the character to go away and maybe just like start a new sort of brand new character or something. I wouldn't mind passing the torch, but we'll see. I would be happy to see it pass on to a son, not Mutt. Hopefully there's another illegitimate son rolling around. Yeah, I agree. I don't need Mutt in my life. No more Mutt for me. Or, I mean, I don't know where they're going with it. Hell, bring in Haley Steinfeld. Make it his daughter, long lost daughter or niece or something. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. But bring in, I like that. switch it up and you can even bring in another white dude and I'm going to be fine. I feel like I'm always on that pedestal, but bring in someone good. <laughs> they just do something new. It needs a new energy. And the bigger problem or the bigger solve would probably be getting Spielberg or Lucas to move off of it, which isn't going to happen, but that franchise needs new blood in whatever form it can take. One last I think question. It 
Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You go. I was just going to say, I'm surprised Spielberg didn't kind of do what he did with Jurassic Park at this point and kind of become the executive producer and just let other younger directors kind of like take a shot at it. I think it's the aspect that Lucas is his friend. I feel like it's... I have yeah, no idea. I guess it's like their kind of project as friends together. Yeah, And right. I'm sure Lucas, from Spielberg's comments, it seems like Lucas has been the driving force over the last at least one or two movies. And well, I made the joke last time when we discussed it. Spielberg distanced himself from the creative process of the better received films, of the worst received films like Doom and Skull. And yeah. he has no problem cozying up to Lucas and being a big part of the creative process for Raiders and Last Crusade. But he has an interesting relationship with it. But I feel like that's the pull for him. Not that I know, but that would be my guess. That's true. I think you're right. It's like, it is kind of a common, but yeah, that would be hard to get both of them to move off of it, probably. But And then not, not even say totally, but have them be producers, bring in. I don't know who it is. I'm not going to do that dream casting or dream directing now, but it needs new blood. I don't know what form that looks like. Well, one of the things I'll say about Jones that's sort of different than the Star Wars uh, franchise is that I don't think you need, like, you just need one good movie to kind of bring it back. And, where, and it's like Jones exists in this in this way where it's like each movie kind of can be on its own. And yeah, they're sort of connected, but they really are kind of standalone movies. Whereas like, a Star Wars movie has to work in concert with all the other movies the right way. And I think that's like a more difficult thing. Whereas like with Jones, you can have a miss with Skull, but like as long as you come back with a good movie, I think the franchise could just keep going kind of. Agreed. It's, it should be more malleable because the mythology isn't as cumbersome. There's not any of these movies that yeah. new, and you're not worried about, not that the films worry about the comic books and TV shows and everything, but the better Marvel does. And Star Wars does, and the reason the more I can't think of the right word. I want to say like synchronicity, but the more correlation you can have between the mediums, I really think it helps the movies. It everything kind of builds together. So I guess I'm going with that. Right. I, I'm losing myself here. I totally agree with you. I think it takes what's the joke in School of Rock? One great song can change the world. <laughs> One great Jones movie can turn the fran can save the franchise. It can turn the world. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. just like. Okay, so wait, one last question. Where did you put Jones amongst, let's go to our youth, the Star Wars, Aliens, franchises? Sure. The, the I feel like I've seen one. There was some book that talked about like the, the major trilogies. That, and it was like, it was Star Wars, it was Indiana Jones, it was the Road Warrior trilogy, mm -hmm. it was Lord of the Rings, Matrix. I feel like I'm missing one. Or Back to the Future is, is another one. Yeah. Would you put Nolan? I'd put Nolan up there. It's probably uh, yeah. I put the Batman trilogy up there, I guess. Um, of those, Jones might be the easiest to watch. It's definitely the most like popcorn sort of type of movies to watch of all. The, it's like the Matrix of Star Wars. You have to be in a mood to go really deep with them. I think. Um, and Road Star Wars, Wars you're getting an incomplete story at this time. No matter what part of it yeah, you choose, exactly. you're getting an incomplete story. The, yeah, the Road Warrior trilogy, it's like, that's a real sort of hit or miss between all the movies, I think, and stuff. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know, still a good watch. Uh, you know, Back to the Future, actually, I think is also, even though the third movie isn't that great, it's like, that's definitely a contender, for, like, with any of those. And yeah, the Alien trilogy, too. But... The problem is almost all of them have two great and one bad. Even if you throw Godfather yeah. in there and it's hard for a lot of yeah, differentiate, differentiate themselves. Although I would concede Indiana Jones might be the most even among them. I'm not sure if it's reaching the highest highs, 
but Doom, I'm a bit still a defender of Doom. It is for like for the bad movie in a trilogy. Doom's like a pretty solid like third movie. Yeah, it's that's a great bad day. That's like going to the yeah, that's exactly. going to the the park, hitting one for four with a walk, like a run in an RBI. But yeah, like, okay, I mean, you, compare it compare it to like uh, Thunderdome or Matrix Revolutions or like Back to the Future Three. It's like Doom's definitely better than most of those. Yeah, I don't know how I'd rank him, but yeah, Jones would probably be up there pretty high. Okay, now I think it's time to put Jones to bed. To what? Ready to put Jones to bed? Yes, let's put him to bed. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, Jones. Goodbye, Jones. Goodbye, people. Goodbye, people.